I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch people film their bath toys. Hey, Pete. Hey, buddy. How you doing? It feels pretty good to have an Aaron and Pete episode. Just get us all back on track. Yeah, just just the two of us. We haven't had an episode together, or at least recorded, since the beginning of April. Or, the no, the, the end of April. Yeah. Uh, with Cabaret, literally one of our worst episodes of all time. So I'm sure there's listeners who are like, I think their relationship is dead. <laughs> they need to bring in that third or now fourth person to really spice it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're bringing in a lot of people into this bedroom. Bringing in a lot of people. I would say that we're cutting dead weight, but really um, we're cutting momentum and we are just making it consistently dead weight. Yeah. So, Peter, you know, you know me. You know, I love our guests, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I love what they take time out of their day to be on this show. You know, I love that, right? Yeah, I know you're loving it. I do. I love them. I will say, ideally, we could do that, but then also not have to talk to them. So this, <laughs> so this is still, you know, it's a great break from talking to other people, human beings. Yes, human beings. I, I like to play this game now, where I am unreasonably rude to people who have devoted time to our show, and see how long I can take it before Peter brings it back to go. Of course, we love all of you who join us. <laughs> like, I, like, play, like, a dickhead chicken with them. <laughs> dickhead chicken? Yeah, that's dick. That's quite a nickname you maybe have. Just, maybe just dick chicken. Dick chicken. Well, that's a different thing. Yeah. That's when you put a, a chicken don't Google your dick legs chicken. and then you, okay. You, you can go on. I said don't Google it, but I wanted to hear you describe oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you put a chicken between your legs and then you stroke its neck. Very mean to the chicken, uh, unless it has some sort of neck problem, like a scoliosis, in <laughs> like which case it of... might actually be great for the chicken. Yeah, it's a good massage for the chicken. Yeah, and it's it's supposed to be you literally choking the chicken. Uh, yeah, there's whole nonprofits devoted to dick chicken. <laughs> Do you mean do you mean <laughs> resuscitating the chickens that you have disabled? <laughs> Dick chicken's an acronym. It stands for disabled invalid chicken. <laughs> Cox. Yes. I, I can't keep going. There's too many too many letters. That's really that's really why they're all struggling. So please find a local dick chicken place and volunteer today. Volunteer to come up with an acronym for them. I hope our first sponsor is something as weird as dick chicken that people think it's a joke. <laughs> or the only clicks they get are people who think that it's a joke from another podcast that we stole and are Googling it to see which one it was. Yeah. Oh, the average person stays on here for 0.3 seconds. <laughs> Not a good advertisement. Sounds like Aaron in the bedroom, am I right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's get the radio AM. All the things that are turning people away from this podcast, I say we just get them out right away. Uh, so so this is the last uh, last week of Double Trouble Month. We are doing Leviathan and Deep Star 6 2 supposedly see monster movies Peter and I had never seen. Uh, and then next week, I'm going to say this right now because we talked about it a lot at the end of the episodes. We had a poll, and the winner of that poll was uh, Carping About Carpenter, the lesser works of John Carpenter. Now, we're saying lesser in the sense that they are not his bona fide classics. They are ones that either underperformed at the box office or just didn't didn't get great reviews at the time. 
so it's it's not like we didn't really want to do the wars and memoirs of the invisible man at some point we're probably going to either work some of his other major works the halloweens the escape from new york's uh into into our months or just do a major work of john carpenter months but uh we'll tell you more about uh the specific episodes at the end but we we have picked four movies that i think peter and i both really like and we were kind of Going back to our roots a little bit to really get the get the love back and we love to watch. Because this stuff is wheelhouse material. Yep. Both of us have positive feelings about all four of the movies, I believe. We're actually doing five weeks, so there's obviously those two sets that Peter mentioned. And then in a complete confusion of scheduling uh, that we're locked into, we also scheduled a fifth one, uh, The Coal Miner's da- Daughter, which is the Karen Carpenter story. And we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> Uh, yes, because uh, you guys let me not specify which Carpenter I wanted to talk about, <laughs> and so we're just going to roll right into Karen Carpenter, and the then best Carpenter. The best Carpenter. Um, and, Except for, you know, the big guy. John Carpenter. Number three is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ <laughs> is number three. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it, you know, it, top three. <laughs> so here's the thing in the bible they never mention how good of a carpenter jesus was so do yeah. you think like he was kind of a shitty carpenter but like it's son of god son of god you know i mean if he was people were probably a little bit too embarrassed to let him know <laughs> no it's it's fine no it's that's i mean i asked for a bed that's a shelf but you know it's gonna look great next to the other shelf you made me <laughs> uh i mean like I like that you get the projects done so fast, but I wish I didn't have to keep coming to you uh, over and over again uh, because they keep collapsing in on me. Yeah, his actual name was actually uh, Fred Carlson, but every time he gave someone one of his works, they said Jesus Christ, and the nickname just stuck. So we are going to start talking, but we're not going to do a game just like the last two episodes of this month. But uh, we're actually going to start talking about something. So these... Uh, th- something that's related to the movies, the reason that we kind of chose these movies, uh, but is not directly about the movies themselves uh, wholly. So, Peter, here's one of the reasons I wanted to do these movies. So, uh, Leviathan, I think, was on uh, the 1989 one. We did not uh, get confused and watch either the, the fishing documentary or the sad Ukrainian uh, <laughs> movie about Emily Yeah, that, Domain. Ru- that Russian movie is so sad. <laughs> it's really good, but... You know, I expected something more monstery. Not about eminent domain. <laughs> At some point in the movie, they're like, oh, this is already kind of depressing. Uh, what if we make it a-, a parody of how depressing it could be? Yeah. It's really depressing. Welcome it's good. to Russian film. Yeah. All, like all Russian film. It follows the through line. Uh, but so, you know, we I, I really – Leviathan was one of the first ones on – like the 20 short list that we came up with for this podcast because it felt like a perfect like three out of five star movie that's kind of the general consensus nobody loves it but it could be like this undiscovered like great cult genre movie and so it felt like the perfect aim of our shows and and peter and i had never seen it which is not always that can be a tough type of movie to find one that peter and i has have never seen uh both of us so it so it's really high in the list and then when we we kind of worked it into this month by doing uh another uh another quote-unquote sea monster movie that came out in 1989 uh deep star six watch both these movies 
And to my somewhat chagrin, there's no real fucking sea monsters in either of this movie. Uh, Leviathan, which we'll get into, is has kind of the alien thing going on, where it's kind of it's kind of like half alien, half thing, uh, but but it turns into just kind of a like a eight foot tall monster. Uh, they don't really leave the uh, the the sea sea shuttle the sea base after a little bit Mm -hmm. uh and deep star six uh has nothing for the first hour and then all of a sudden a monster shows up inside uh the the deep star six uh station and it doesn't like it doesn't look like it could swim (laughs) let alone it just looks like kind of a i don't know a quadrupedal dinosaur yeah. But it's got, like, feet. It doesn't have flippers. So I got a couple questions for you, Peter. First off, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, indeed. Deep Star 6, it starts off, and you think it's going to be, like, a Jaws thing. Yeah. Using these POV camera shots, and you're like, oh, it's definitely going to be a movie about them trying to escape, and this, this thing keeps crushing their subs, and they have to, like, fire missiles at it or whatever, and, like, you think it's going to be this, like, underwater battle thing, but instead, they, like have to bring it inside the ship into the nice safe sound studio yeah it's it's and there's not it's not even like they do originally some sort of um attack it's not like there's like an attack outside and then the the climax is he sneaks in uh for either of these it's all inside and almost nothing attacks from the outside and i i the thing does attack attack the ships in deep star six i mean by the thing you mean the camera slamming into a toy. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the thing. Is like, is they abuse the fuck out of the POV camera from Jaws. Uh, and I really want to talk about Deep Star Six in relation to Jaws, but in Deep Star Six, the the like the tagline for the movie is like these uh, people living under the sea get attacked repeatedly by a monster. So in my head, I'm picturing. This cheesy special effect, sure, but still like slamming into the 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 side of Sea Lab twenty twenty one or whatever, and <laughs> and I didn't get any of that, and so I was like, well, fuck, what's a good sea monster movie? Because it feels like, like sure, it's expensive to both shoot underwater and to do any sort of either CGI or animatronic creature. I get it. So you don't get a lot of them, was what I was thinking, like like a dinosaur movie. Like, there's not a ton of dinosaur movies. Like, you can go years without seeing a fucking dinosaur movie. But every once in a while, you get a dinosaur movie, like a carnosaur. And then occasionally you get, like, a good one, like a carnosaur 2. That's a labored joke at best. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not that often, but they exist. I got to tell you, Peter, I've been looking through sea monster movies uh, lists. I don't really know if they exist in the way that I like am picturing from like a twenty thousand weeks, like a squid attacks a boat or some other fantastical version attacks a boat. It like essentially doesn't exist. I did a bunch of searches for like sea monster movies. You know, Wikipedia, IMDb looked at a list of one hundred and fifty movies. You take out some of these, like the mega shark giant octopus bullshit sharktopus stuff like that you basically have like stuff that's operating not on goodwill yeah there's the other stuff that's that's a huge component of this list which is like the orcas and the piranhas and the open waters and the deep blue seas like not sea monsters just monsters of the sea 
Yeah, killer whales, piranha, great whites, animals that exist in their current form, and though, like, their abilities might be kind of crazy in the movie, it's not, like, so outlandish yeah. that, like... It's not, like, for I, I, I want to like, fucking see dinosaur. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and there are there are movies that, like, pop up in that, like, Stuart Gordon's Dagon has a brief appearance of a sea monster. It's mostly the, the uh, Innsmouth people on land. Yeah, that's kind of the second thing I was going to mention here, which is uh, animals that are sea monsters, but then emerge to attack on land. So you have, like, the host, you have the Cloverfields, you have Godzilla, like, all these things that, sure, they emerge from the sea, but you don't get, like, to see a fucking kick-ass underwater Godzilla battling a sub. Like, you, he gets out, and then he walks around, and that's that's Godzilla. But I'm shocked that there's no movie where Godzilla has to fight a sea monster underwater. No, there is a movie called Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. But it's on land. It's on land. It's just a lobster. <laughs> that sucks. Like, that I mean, sucks. It would be like awesome let, let me be clear. It's a big fucking lobster. <laughs> and Godzilla's from uh, underwater. Like, yeah. in, his, in his origin. Like, it makes total sense that he'd be pretty sweet underwater. And they, I, I was shocked that with all the Japanese psychedelia that they would get into with those movies, that they never had, like, blue filter and, like, like a bubble filter to make it look like they're fighting underwater when really, yeah. obviously, they're not putting that that pseudomation uh, effect underwater. They're just making it look underwater. Like, I'm yeah. surprised they Drown that, that fucking guy. I don't care. <laughs> what if it was just Godzilla but he had to wear a gas tank and they spent 15 minutes explaining why Godzilla has to wear I mean, an oxygen? like, that would, that would fit just fine in some of the later like uh, jet jaguar yeah stuff. they're like they're like all the aluminum in the world was taken to uh to make godzilla's a uh, oxygen tank i don't think you've seen enough of those movies where it would just be like yeah he wears a tank now <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up that's what he does i don't... fucking hate when i get bullied by godzilla movies yeah yeah hey yeah, when where his kid looks at you for a second like if you have a problem with it shut the fuck up because <laughs> this kid talks uh <laughs> so so here's what we're left with though honestly i've combed through like these movies we're left with like true sea monster movies we're left with the fucking 1998 Treat Williams vehicle, Deep Rising, which is not okay. a good movie. And we are left with this kind of contingent of Loch Ness Monster movies, of which I've only seen, like, I've only seen a couple. Uh, I saw the the made for, um, the made for, like, TV movie starring Ted Danson that I forget the name of. I think it's just called Loch Ness. And then the, the one I really like is the Werner Herzog starring uh, Incident on Loch Ness. Only shows like the the monster for like forty five seconds at the very end. Spoilers for Incident at Loch Ness, uh, but it's a really good forty five seconds. Uh, you know, you can make the case for the scenes in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea uh, and some of these other like you know squid attacking. I suppose like you can make a case for some of the Pirates of the Caribbean um, movies that probably do like those sea monster moments the best. But those are still like encounters in other movies like no one calls pirates of the caribbean the sea monster movie and even though long uh not long john silver what's his name yeah it was Who's long john f- silver yeah he got a long lot john of, silver a lot of popcorn shrimp <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so his name's long john silver <laughs> sure i forgot um, it was one actually, of blackbeard 
on IMDb, his name is Long John Silver. Uh, that tentacular effect, that that's the, yeah. these uh, barbs coming off his face, and he has his crew is all sluggish and sort of insmouthy looking, very Lovecraftian. Um, that sort of human animal, a human sea monster hybrid is something that their uh, effects designers have been interested in, I guess, since there's been movies. Like, it's a very cool, cool effect, but you're right. It's never like... This movie's monster is this massive squid that, you know, um, yeah. it will wrap and constrict your submarine and you have to like, I don't know. What are, what are, what are the means of fighting it? Like torpedoes or robot suits? It A could gun? This mo- How? Are there robot suits in Leviathan, but they don't use it to fight the monster underwater? Yeah, they forget a lot of components of that movie, I think. They forget the coolest shit's, sh- yeah. shit in the movie. Well, and I thought Leviathan was like setting Daniel up. Stern never gets to jerk off. Oh my god, we'll talk about Daniel Stern. No more Daniel Stern movies uh, based on the last two. Uh, Next month, City Slickers month. We're going to be watching City Slickers, Curly's Gold four times. And that one movie where he's sad with Paul uh, Reiser. Sad Paul Rising. (laughs) That's the sequel to Deep Rising? Yeah. Paul Rising. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it's, it's, well, and I really thought they were setting, I'm, I'll just get this out now. I really thought they were setting up the big sea monster, the big climax in, uh, in Leviathan because this, this being, this alien, like, he grows and he expands and he does all this weird stuff. So there's a point in Leviathan where these two people have fused and we know that the alien expands and grows and or the sea monster, whatever. And so they throw it out the airlock into the ocean and then they start battling uh, smaller versions that grow inside. I thought the fucking climax of the movie was going to be, hey, you know that uh, alien fuse hybrid thing you threw out the airlock into the ocean? It's back and fucking bigger. And it's more faces all melded together. And I was I was really disappointed they didn't do that. This is a thing and an alien. Uh, yeah. Riff. Both of these movies riff on both of those movies. Leviathan more so the thing. Yeah. Deep Star 6 is like a, I don't know what that is. It's like a Jaws riff, but like. Yeah, I think it's a Jaws riff because I we'll get into it more. But it does have some it does have some thing moments and it does have alien moments and both of them also have hints at aliens moments. So let's set the scene. Nineteen eighty nine, George H. W. Bush, <laughs> Iran Contra, Rock and Roll, The Cola Wars. What else do I have to say? Here's here's why we need guests. We need people to be funny too. And because we don't care if our jokes don't work for the two of us, we're not trying to impress each other anymore. <laughs> this gets like garbage really quickly. Yeah. Let me just talk. We didn't start the fire while Peter says something else in the background about <laughs> what George H.W. Bush's initials stand for. George, how you doing, Bush? That's a podcast. <laughs> 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 two trains passing the night <laughs> I can't believe I got the fucking saying wrong we're doing sea related movies and I called it two trains passing in the night instead of two ships man I'm taking back your captain's <sighs> designation wait when did I get a captain's designation Peter like seven episodes ago we got you your license. You don't remember this? No, I don't pay attention so, to our shows. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's for your own mental protection. It makes sense. But you were a licensed <laughs> captain, and after you got the most common saying about boats wrong, um, except for, of course, don't let boats sink, you don't remember the, the situation? You're 
great uncle Lyle died and left you a haunted house and you sold it to the Pope. At any point, I'm going to start wetting my pants, I think, is how this mm-hmm. how this ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you both went to the haunted house to do a home inspection and uh, you found an old captain's hat in, in the house and you were like, I should become a ship captain. And, and the Pope agreed because uh, the Pope wants to make dreams come true. He's, a, he's agreeable. <laughs> he's an agreeable young guy. And then you wet your pants because you were so excited. And then, yeah, you went and got your captain's license. You don't remember this? And then you sold the house to afford a yacht. I mean, it sounds somewhat familiar, Peter. Is this going to get funny? I think it. I think it's already there, but like I can dig a little deeper if you want. And and then yeah, oh, you know now I remember. We recorded an episode on the yacht. We did an episode on it was just scheduling problems. It ended up uh, being come and see the movie about uh, World War Two, and it was it was a very weird. Oh, episode. see, I saw a different one. It was C U M S E A. Oh. Come is called Come See. Is that porno we watched on the boat? Yeah, yeah. Set on mostly watch pornos on the boat. Yeah, it was com- I just basically watched that one. Mostly Come and See. Come in the sea. <laughs> what does that even mean in a sexual context? <laughs> just means come right in that sea. The big <laughs> briny sea. <laughs> it's just more salt. So you're saying this, the ocean is salty because too many guys with the yachts are jerking off into the ocean. I mean, do you have a competing theory that makes more sense? Uh, uh no. No. Well, that's, uh, that's how science works. You just got peer-reviewed. <laughs> peer-reviewed, bitch. It's like, the, like, I always felt bad for the guy. Do you remember, like, that news story of the guy who would just, like, go out and, like, look at his picnic table and masturbate, and then eventually, like, his neighbors called the cops because they could see him, like, masturbating and then, like, eventually trying to have sex with his picnic table, which is, like, gross, and clearly there's something wrong. But also, like, if the only thing that turns you on is a picnic table... You're not hurting anyone. And, you know, I'm sorry. It's a combo of things. Also, bring that pic- picnic table inside. Well, I mean, how many houses can fit a picnic table, Pete? I don't feel like you're being really... You're right. I'm not being fair. I'm not being fair. I like to think that he had, like, a massive dining room table, and he was just like, mm, just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah. The picnic table was a side piece. <laughs> <laughs> you're out in the yard, but you... <laughs> You get to live in the house. Ooh, you're so dirty. You have bird shit all over you. I can see your paint peeling, baby. (laughs) Like, I don't know for sure, but it probably was definitely one of the ones with the umbrella hole in the middle. (laughs) You said he was trying to fuck it when he got caught. Well, I mean, they said he was trying to... Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a try. I don't feel like that's a succeed. I mean, define... (laughs) Define have sex with. Well, I don't. The, about I'll tell you what. Object. The news story didn't include pictures because I would have been interested. <laughs> <laughs> like just from a anthropological. Uh, how do we fuck this table? <laughs> yeah. Uh, quick question. Uh, Aaron Armstrong, Daily Gazette. Um, how do you fuck that table? <laughs> like everyone's like. First off, are you wearing a hat made out of newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> Just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. That's how it means a newspaper reporter. See? <laughs> I'm the one here asking questions, yeah. ma'am. I'm Captain Newspaper. How do you fuck that table? <laughs> hey, uh. 
I hear the uh, busy bones was getting busy with his bone <laughs> on the table. How do you figure? Oh, I heard his tallywackle was all in there. <laughs> Care to comment? <laughs> Swiggling around right in the splinter zone. No, oh. <laughs> oh. Call the doc. Call the doc. <laughs> I got splinters <laughs> in my jimmy. <laughs> Doctor Felix, stop fucking picnic table. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why do we ever think we can do an opening segment? So, sea monsters. Seamen. Make make a. Sea monsters. Sea monsters? (laughs) Sea monsters. Yeah, why didn't they make an ocean version of the 1950s sitcom Monsters? If anything, I'm more angry about that. Follow me here. I'm Peter Moran. I'm Aaron Armstrong. And we love to watch because we're starting this shit over. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, was ter- I was serious about the sea monsters, though. Yeah, sea monsters? I would love them. Yeah. I mean, you're going to lose a couple of eddies. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially under all that makeup. Oh, my God. I kind of thought that, like, two of the big sea monster movies that I'd never seen were Deep Star 6 and Leviathan. And guess fucking what? One, a very good movie, and one, just a piece of garbage, but either way, not really sea monster. Let me say something about both of them and the fact that they're not really sea monster movies. Uh, They're kind of weirdly more alien movies. Yep. Um, Last week on the Mission to Mars episode, I pointed out that, like, Red Planet could have taken place in, like, Australia or in Antarctica or any, any part of the planet where... Somebody is, you're secluded and, you know, you're in an alien land and all that, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have taken place kind of anywhere with some script adjustments. With this, I'm like, why weren't these space movies? Yeah, both of them might as well have been space movies. If they find the monsters out in the water. Yep. Like, just have the monsters be able to swim through space or something. Like, Leviathan, they find the monster on an old ship. And it's mm-hmm. like, that could have been an old spaceship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, it is weird there was, like, this cinematic arms race to make, like, a sea movie. Um, there was there was a few. They just figured out the ocean in 1988. Yeah, they're like, hey, what's all this shit? <laughs> Should we be shooting movies in here? Someone uh, just comes up and kicks the water with some loafers. What's this shit? <laughs> We've been in L.A. this whole time. No one ever looked that way? <laughs> Well, you think they're going to go to the west side? No way. Well, you're right. There's just nothing that makes them... Like, Deep Star 6 has more... We're going to go out on these little missions. But Leviathan, at some point, is like, oh, yeah, shit, this is in the water. Last week, I mentioned a movie uh, called Alien Resurrection, and I commended its underwater scene. And what's weird is that Alien Resurrection takes place in space and has an underwater scene where people are swimming away from monsters, but neither of these movies has that. They take place under the ocean. Yeah. Like I said, it was an ocean arm race. The Abyss is the big one from 1989. The reason we didn't do that, like if we were just doing sea movies from 1989 as part of this Double Trouble thing, The Abyss would have been on there. I didn't know that Peter had never seen it, Uh, but that's not really like an alien invasion movie or even like a monster movie. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, maybe we should do it at some point. But uh, it's – I thought these two were closer in, like, tone, and I think that's true. But they weren't what I expected or kind of hoped for. All right. Can we – let's start talking about these fucking movies. Yeah. Let's talk about these movies. Yeah. Like more. we've been talking talk about. Talk about them. Well, yeah. We're going to talk about them more, though, now. Okay. I'm 
I say that we actually don't try to do the symmetric plot recaps. It wouldn't really work here. We can make it work. Well, but let's not. <laughs> By forcing the plot into very Just narrow shoving specifics. the plot right into the hole. The big gaping plot holes, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't get weird, Peter. The sea craters. Peter, just fucking stop getting so weird. I'm so sorry that I disappointed you. Do you think whispering works when it's just the two of us? I don't know. Let's try it out. Let's do it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Do you want to do the 45-second recap? Pete, I'm going to talk about Deep Star 6. You could talk about Leviathan. I would absolutely love that because I don't remember any of Deep Star 6. It's not very memorable. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like skim milk. What the fuck expression is that? <laughs> It's not memorable Like skim milk (laughs) Flavorful, sure But what the hell How can you not remember It's the pink one (laughs) It's only three three colors It's pink and yellow And blue maybe Red, there's four colors There's four milk colors. I wish there were more. I want to see what that four percent milk. <laughs> yeah, really, milk wise, they they it's either too little or too much because it's like zero percent as far as I can tell, one percent, two percent, a hundred percent. These are the, these are the jokes like the first stand-up comic of all time thought of. What is happening? So yeah, I'll do Deep Star Six. So and the reason I really want to set it up is because. It's an it's an entirely insane fucking movie. In that the first it's a it's ninety five minutes long. I swear to God, the first sixty five minutes, no character is aware that there is a monster at all. It was directed by Sean Cunningham, who directed Friday the Thirteenth. He tried to do Jaws. It's Jaws. It's everyone kind of, you know, you get to know the characters. They're solving problems under this Deep Star 6. What he forgot to do is incorporate the slowly getting to know the characters with then slowly discovering the fucking monster until it rears its head. There is someone that dies early and then they're like, well, that sucked. And they're like, what are these strange readings? Ah, who knows? That's it for 65 fucking minutes and then the monster shows up kills people and then they fight the monster in like the sea bay dock and that's it the f- i've never seen a movie where it didn't do a slow burn where more and more clues are discovered or they're like no one knows about it no one mentions it there's not a weird conversation where they're like hey have you noticed what was that again let's go investigate those strange like nothing it's just no monster and then monster. What the fuck? It is very fucking weird because I feel like that's sort of a stereotype about 
a lot of monster movies is that it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then third act is short, but it's all monster shit. Yeah, but you're supposed to let the characters know that there might be something going on. Deep Star 6 is too professional looking. And Leviathan is a much better looking movie, I think. Oh, I, I think in HD, it's pretty gorgeous, actually. But in Deep Star 6, they have these characters who are just kind of like wandering around and, like, dealing with their internal bullshit. Yeah. They introduce all this technology in the first two acts that never comes back around. Never comes back. There's all these cool subs, this remote camera. When the sub gets taken down, there's this opening sequence where this crew is going and they send the spy camera out in the water. And you're like, cool, the spy camera is going to be part of the movie. The spy camera is going to see some shit get taken down and they're going to be like, oh. Oh, shit, is something out here? No, then the spy camera gets taken down. The fact that it's a camera has literally nothing to do with yeah. it. They have to go out and get it. And when they get it, they, they think that the ship just crashed. And someone dies and it's taking on water and they go rescue him. Like, even though the audience is aware of a monster, because we keep seeing that first person camera perspective going through reefs, none of the characters are, they're just like, Man, a lot of bad sea accidents lately. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, nobody is freaked out about it. Which no, is like, because they don't know about it. <laughs> there's a moment when, I forget the character's name, uh, but an alien where the other the, the other female crew member that's not Ripley, she has this sort of freak out where she, like, pounds her fists on the table. Yeah. And she's, like, very frustrated that she's like, I just came out here for fucking work. Like, she's just yeah. mad about that. Like, there's very little in the movie where you're like, oh... I understand you as a human being up against a monster. Instead, they have a few moments where it's like workers who are just like getting on each other's nerves. Yeah. And I think Deep Star 6 is worse with that because one thing when you talk about Leviathan quick, Leviathan does it better because it does the, the formula. The formula is that you get to know these people as humans for like 20 minutes and then... They're getting more and more clued in that something's wrong. And then because you understand the characters from that first 20 minutes, you are now seeing people that you know react to this bizarre stimuli until it gets worse and worse and worse. And then eventually at some point, the character development goes away both in normal terms and under extreme duress. And then you're into a monster fight. That's basic. That's yeah. that's the formula. That's the formula. Now, what you decide to do inside the formula, great. How you try to uh, circumvent or overturn the formula, perfect. Deep Star 6 does. No one knows anything. First part. But you just are getting to know them as characters. And then for the second part, it's you just keep dealing with their bullshit. They open the whatever the Sequest DSV way to transport into their little subs are. And then out of nowhere a giant monster arm reaches out and starts killing people. That's fucking insane. That's yeah. that, that's it. Like the, the characters are all surprised. No, They just open the thing and then there's a monster there. Which I guess you could say like oh that's pretty cool because it's really overturning the formula. It's changing it up. That the characters are just as surprised they would be in real life, except that there's all these other quote unquote exciting things happening that is the cause of the monster. Fucking crew, no idea. And, it, and it's also bizarre because you want so desperately for these people to be like formulating plans. Yeah. And figuring out badass shit to take on this beast and like getting desperate. And like in both movies, 
And Leviathan, I think, I think you agree with me. Leviathan is the better movie. Oh, way better. I, I actually really enjoyed Leviathan. Yeah, Leviathan is overall pretty good. My big Leviathan problems are uh, the fact that they didn't do much that needed to be done on a sea base. Like, yes. Like the, the space stuff that we talked about earlier. Uh, Daniel Stern's character and the fact that they seem to have run out, out of ideas by the end so that we get sharks as the is the final antagonist and then the, the 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 tag scene which is so insane it makes me laugh thinking about it not because it's funny it's not funny but it is the calculation involved uh in the in the sting the happy triumphant sting of leviathan is insane yeah. <laughs> i don't know how else to put <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get there so the reason alien worked and both movies emulate alien and they emulate the thing i don't think deep star six emulates the thing at all i've got there's there's some stuff in there that's very okay. similar to the thing intentional or not um okay there's the fact that a they're both in the most isolated location on earth that's super similar to the thing in deep star six they're setting up like a, a location for a missile base for the navy uh, yeah, Missile Base in Deep Star 6. Yes, and then Leviathan, they're working for a private corporation, which is obviously like a Whalen yutani alien-aliens thing. Yeah. And then there's like actual researchers in Deep Star 6 that are like trying to get their work done. That's very The Thing-like. In mm. The Thing and Deep Star 6, our hero is this pilot with a gruff beard who's like a loner, but then like people start breaking through and he starts taking on authority. It's got one good actor who cannot help but nail every line delivery. Yeah. Miguel Ferrara. Miguel Ferrara is so... He's really good. Good. And he's what's funny is he showed up in this movie, his head just pops through a open door, and you go, oh, Miguel Ferrara, you're going to play a Miguel Ferrara type in the movie. And then when he did start becoming a Miguel Ferrara type, I was like... Oh, thank God. This movie just got a little better. Well, and, and he it worked, too, because he didn't give a shit about any of the crew's bullshit. So he worked as a very good audience surrogate because you're like, I don't care about any of this either. Yeah. So jumping back, because I've, I've kind of crossed the threshold of, of my my big ideas for the movie, but I want to focus on this alien thing. Do you need to see a doctor? I do. I do. <laughs> the threshold has been torn. My fleshhold has been torn. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, alien What's thing, a double yeah. explicit that we can put on this episode just when you say <laughs> fleshhole? So the big similarity between Alien and both these movies and where you can see like a clear line is that they're a working class crew who's like down there doing their job. They're not out for glory. Like, they're like a few people have like specific scientific interests in what they're doing down there, but like mm-hmm. they're just doing it. And they're they've like in uh, Leviathan, they mentioned union rules and shit. They're getting screwed over by their bosses. Uh, that's very alien. Yeah, Leviathan is so alien. <laughs> yes, yeah. All but the trappings got... around it with, but with the thing monster. Yeah, but if like at the end of the alien. Uh, Waylon Utani was a single woman, and they punched Waylon Utani in the okay. face. <laughs> you spoiled it, so now we have to talk about it because you just ruined it. I know. <laughs> let's do so it. Let's, let's get it out of the way. We usually, no, we let's usually just talk, talk about, about problematic shit right away. Yeah, don't let's we? do it. Let's do it. So, the Peter Weller, Star of Leviathan, but is Peter Weller? He's been like cool. He's been calm. He's been fucking Peter Weller. That's what you get, Peter Weller, to be like both a like. Someone who, like, follows the rules and is, like, an actual captain. He's not, like, a fun captain. But still has, like, a wink in his eye. 
and is charming. Nobody looks more comfortable in the movie than Peter Weller. Like, when no. he's just sitting in it, when he's just, like, sitting in the captain's chair or, like, walking around the station, like, nobody looks more like they should be in this movie than Peter Weller. Yeah, it keeps us cool. Peter Weller lived in that set for eight weeks. <laughs> That's how comfortable <laughs> he, so- he is there. He put up furniture. He got decorations. He moved his family in. Mm-hmm. He actually dumped the whole set into the sea just to make sure it was seaworthy. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. not. They had to rebuild the set. <laughs> That's what Kevin Reynolds did on the set of Waterworld. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> So, no, Peter Weller is great. There's this evil woman who's running the corporation – I forget the actress's name. Um, uh, I'll look it up right now because she has crazy eyes. Yeah, she I, – I, I think someone called her – so when I was reading some reviews, she exclusively played bad guys or people that you thought were bad guys until they, they surprised you by revealing they were good. Yeah, Meg Foster. She is – Meg Foster. She, she has – the craziest she, fucking yeah. eyes. And yeah, before she, there was digital touch-up really on this shit, like, I mean, I guess there was stuff. Like, I'm surprised she doesn't have, like, a Dune effect where they colored in the eyes blue. Like, I'm no, surprised she just, doesn't have just that. just her eyes. It's just her fucking eyes. Yeah. It's crazy. They light yeah. they light up the frame every time, and you're like, whatever you're saying is good. They're, they are amazing. So Is she, is she, she, a, good, she a good actress? I mean, she definitely does her, her thing very well. Yeah, okay. Sorry, continue. I just can't tell. Because <laughs> she's, I'm just like, distracted. it's distract. It's distracting. Yeah. Yes. It's like, it's like being hypnotized. <laughs> uh, so, so she's the bad guy and she is trying to keep them down there when they're asking. She's like, there's a hurricane. There's a hurricane. You guys can't come up. And, uh, I, I kind of forget actually if it was clear whether it was because she didn't want the monster. Like, it's not like an alien thing where they wanted to trap the monster, right? It's not that at all. No. So I guess they just didn't want the whatever was going on to come up or for there to be publicity because obviously they're doing work and they didn't want to ruin it. So whatever the reason, who knows? Yeah. In Alien, they're so far away that they have to get the monster back to the corporation. Yeah. And this, the corporation could theoretically step in and if they wanted the beast, they could come in and get them at any moment. But Peter Weller never tells them about the beast. As a matter of fact, he's like, all good here. No monsters. No one's been fused with other crew members. Just the one guy got a little sick and died uh, because he wants them to come and rescue them. So it's very unclear why she's lying about this stuff besides just, you know, evil corporation. Who knows? Regardless. So Peter Weller survives. The, the, The doctor survives. They're kissing. And uh, the, this Meg Foster runs up. And is like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry uh, that uh, that we didn't get you, you know, being evil mm-hmm. or implying evil. Peter Weller revs his arm way back and fucking lays her out with a punch to the face and then smiles and kisses uh, kisses his romantic interest again. And then that's the credits. What the fuck? It it oh, you know you know how you said last week when we were talking about Little Big League that the the funniest part of Little Big League was that they at one point randomly they call one of the kids like a hard R because you just don't hear yes. it anymore. And it was just so weird to see like these this dumb innocuous kid, well not really that innocuous, but this kid where you like say one of the more offensive words that you can say. Uh, you know, it's not like calling someone the N word or something like, or the the other F word, 
but yeah. it's it's still like it's like it's two notches below those things. And she's like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this was the same thing. Like, I laughed not because it's funny, but because it was it so. It knocks you on your ass. <laughs> it's like, wait, whoa. Did he just cold cock this lady and then the triumphant music plays? It's built like it's this moment, you know, in a movie where, like, a guy's just trying really not to smoke. He's trying really not to smoke. And then he reaches the end of the movie. He wins and he's smoking. Like, it's not like that. Like, it's not like the whole movie is like, oh, I really want to punch a woman, but the yeah. corporation says don't. Like, like there's no there's no buildup except for that he doesn't like this lady and they need to dispatch her as fast as possible. It's like there's no narrative justification for it, which makes it nothing but pure sexism. Where they're just like, we, we've talked about time does not excuse things. So you can't go and say whatever it was the 60s. So James Bond, Bond, James Bond. Women. Yeah. It's not yes. like it's okay. Uh, but it, it, it feels like there's a difference between it being okay, which it never was, and being unfortunately socially acceptable, which it was more. Like the society as a whole, not to everyone, thankfully. Uh, but, there, you know, there were people that were like, yeah, it's fine. You can do that. Not a big deal. It's not like now where your movie's going to face serious, correct backlash. 1989 doesn't feel like this should be your sting to the movie. Like, 1989 is not 2017, but it's not like, oh, a woman working. That's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's, not- it's, it's, it's like post-70s femi- like feminist revolution. Like, it's... It's insane that they did this. So it's offensive on two levels, I think. The big level, the primary level, is the sexist level, which is that it's this woman has outmanipulated him and he's going to conquer her by punching her down. <laughs> That's like horrible and it's so shocking in the scene where you're just like, what? Wait, no, 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 that's not how you end a movie. No, 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 the movie's not ending, and then they roll credits. Yeah, um, the movie should end with him going to jail. Yeah, and, and, and everyone's like, you shouldn't have punched that lady. Did you just punch your boss in the face? Uh, bad on a second level, which is narrative laziness. And that's that they needed a way for him to say, fuck you to her, who he justifiably hates because she abandoned him under the water to die. See here, but that's the thing, is that Peter Weller... Was like it's fine. Come get us. There's only this crazy monster that if I get like there, he was trying to he was risking the entire world so that he could survive. Yeah, that's true. So there's a moment where Doc has a Wilford Brimley and the Thing moment where he flushes these tubes straight up and he like gets rid of a lot of this the escape pod so that nobody can leave. And just like in the Thing, you're like this is the correct move. Like yeah, they all. They all should die. Nobody should make it out of here. Like, the, this thing could get out. And the doc in, in Leviathan as well makes that that choice and then immediately gets murdered for it. So we don't get to have the cool moment that we do in the thing. Yeah, because he becomes the big... That's right. Because he becomes, like, the big boss at the end. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He becomes... Exactly. The big boss. The big boss guy. Leviathan, the doctor, has a point when he tries to get everybody killed. Like, it, it's kind of interesting, at least on a character level. I think Peter Weller, which we just mentioned, is interesting on a character level. Uh, and Peter he's played Weller. by Richard Crenna, who is like uh, Charlie Sheen's, like, colonel in the Hot Shots movie. 
Yes, and he's also in the Rambo movies. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, uh, the Doc character, Peter Weller, a few of the other characters I think are interesting. Mostly just those two and uh, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson is fucking awesome in this movie. There's actually inter- interesting characters in this movie. Ernie yeah. Hudson is very comfortable as well in the movie. Uh, I wish we got more Ernie Hudson in genre movies. I wish like there was a whole series of movies where it was just like the only connection was Ernie Hudson like in his Congo role. Or he's just this, like, wild adventurer who just, like, goes around the world and gets into mischief. Like, I would love, like, a, just a series of movies that were, like, in a line from Congo. Yeah, Ernie Hudson really got screwed. Uh, he was really good on Oz, though. I don't know if you ever watched that. I did not. I was a little, a little young for that. Um, it was before, before my HBO watching days. Uh, there's some good characters in Leviathan. Deep Star Six is not a good character except for Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, he, but he's, I mean, he's delivering not great lines, that's what like some of these like great character actors which miguel ferreira absolutely is it's why he's my favorite character on twin peaks he really is because every moment he's on screen he can make any line funny or interesting or dynamic he was amazing at that like top 10 being able to take a set like he's in like the jeff goldblum school of i can make any sentence interesting to to say i agree entirely he has this uh sort of flexibility and this sort of dignity that he carries with him and i think peter weller has something similar as well though peter weller is probably not as successful as miguel ferrer yeah yeah peter weller it was you know looking over his credits because watching this movie is like kind of funny this is our first peter weller movie because you know, we got RoboCop. We got Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. We have... Screamers uh, is a definite we love to watch movie. Yeah, Naked Lunge. Like, there's all these great movies he's been a part of. And then I ran out of movies really quickly. And then I went and looked and I'm like, oh, fuck. We did not do great by Peter Weller. Oh, as a culture? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but he seems happy. He's like an art history teacher and shit. Like, every time I, I hear him in interviews, he sounds like he's pretty happy with what he's doing. Uh, Miguel Ferrer is, is, I think, even more so than Peter Weller, just one of those actors who plays a type mm-hmm. and he just fits in that mold. And yeah. when he inverts that type, when he kind of plays something different, he riffs off of that. Like, you, you're just, you just welcome it so much. And like, the fact that he was only in the MCU for like, I don't know, like fucking like 15 minutes or something in, in uh, Winter Soldier is kind yeah. of a bummer because he would fit so well as like a big bad in a massive superhero movie. Yeah, he would. Um, Whereas he's just kind of like he's almost even though he's the president in Winter Soldier, he's kind of a lackey. Like He's not like he's not the important character. Who, who are you talking about? Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. Well, you know he's dead, though, right? Yeah, but he didn't die till after they were done okay. with Winter Soldier. Well, I'm sorry. No, no, I know. I, you were talking about like he'd be so good in one of these, one one of these MCU. Just the way you were phrasing it, I'm like, Peter, I need you to sit down. <laughs> oh no, this would be a bad uh-huh. way to find out. Yeah, it'd be really weird. Uh, you know, but he's one of those people that he's just not in as much. That if you for some reason weren't paying attention to the news for two days, I can see how you could miss it. He's in the new Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, he is in the new Twin Peaks. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I didn't know he got his, his spots in in time. Yep. No, he, he. I've watched about five episodes, and he's in like two of them so far. That's awesome. Uh, so let's let's move on to another cast member we need to talk about because he's one of my big big problems with Leviathan, uh, and that is 
uh, the director of Rookie of the Year, uh, Daniel Stern. What a weird fucking career Daniel Stern has had. Is Daniel Stern, like, he's good in City Slickers and he's good in the in both Home Alone movies. But, like, and I like him in Chud, He's too, fine actually. in Chud. I, I like him in Chud. I think he adds, like, a weird dignity to, like, what would just be, like, a dirty hobo role. Like, a, a, a sort of, like, a, a lot of actors might look down on. And he adds, like, a human dignity to it that it, it needed, which is, like, a funny thing to say about Chud. But, like, I think Daniel yeah. Stern is capable of stuff. Yeah, Daniel Stern's a weird guy because, you know, I loved those Home Alone movies when I was a kid. So, like, I have a affinity for him that no... You know, I'm I, every time I see him on the screen, it's like, oh, good, Daniel Stern. But he he just hasn't been in that much stuff, to be honest. He he tried like his own star vehicle and bushwhacked, and that was apparently terrible. I never saw it, but you know, it went away. And then I remember him trying to do like dark character actor and very bad things, and that was a fucking disaster. And then he just kind of like disappeared for six years and then like sitcom t- TV got good and then he would show up occasionally. Like you, you get that six year break when you try to be a leading uh, star and then it doesn't work and then you just disappear and then you show up in like indie films and guest spots on TV shows. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, he's a rapist. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. His character is a uh, sexual pervert, which is, like, never fun on screen. I don't know why they keep rolling out these, like, pervy guys that we're all supposed to, also supposed to think are funny. Like, is it is it the Pepe Le Pew thing? Like, I, I don't thing know. that we've just grown beyond now is we're like, no, we don't like rapists in our movies. But I do think he inadvertently is, like, the perfect description for, like, a shitty guy. Because he has this scene... Where he puts a bug near uh, near one of the women, and she like freaks out, and he's like, <laughs> you know, in that like little like I'm I'm flirting by being a schoolyard bully. Yes, uh, fine. So great. So then she gets him back by doing the literal exact same thing. He freaks the fuck out, screams at her. Yells in her face, not funny, doesn't blow past it, and then, like, threatens to punch her. I'll shove it. No, that's what he says. He says, I'll shove it down your throat. And he's, like, wiggling it around in the air. Yeah, and he's not, like, joking. Not that it'd be okay if he was joking. And it was like, oh, this is a weird encapsulation of, like, the kind of, like, internet guy. Where what? I'm just being a stinker. And then the second anyone, like, makes him look the fool, like, I'll kill you, you fucking... You know, yeah, I don't think that's what the movie was trying to do. But in its own way, it kind of captured like the 2017 quote unquote alpha male uh, really well. Oh, for sure. The, it uh, it wants you to constantly be laughing at Daniel Stern. So I don't know if it entirely. Oh, no, the um, movie is not necessarily on that. Yeah, plane. it doesn't work from that perspective. No. But in the in the metatextual sense, like looking at this as like an extrapolation of how men are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like this idea that like all she has to do is do exactly what you're doing. And then all, and he just like, oh, no, this has to be stopped. This has to be stopped. Yeah, right freaks now. out, threatens her with violence, like screams in her face. Like it's kind of the perfect like analogy for like, look what happens when we do this thing. What you got, how how men react to us. And that's why we're not equal like we should be, you know? And this yeah. is kind of a perfect moment for that. And 
I actually, I want to use that to, to bring up one other thing, because watching this movie, it was kind of crazy to me how common this archetype was, the the like, so you had like the smart guy, you had the strong guy, you had the Ernie Hudson, the, the person of color, then you had like the doctor guy, and then you had the guy who harassed uh, women, and then you had uh, the woman. And, like, that's that's where these archetypes were. I think this archetype of, like, the lewd, harassing women guy was, like, a pretty standard archetype in a lot of these, like, 70s, 80s, 90s action movies. And then you had the one or two women. I think how frustrating it must have been that it was, like, you get eight guys and you go down to the point where, well, you got to have a guy who harasses woman, women. And then, oh, I guess you probably need a woman, too. So I guess we'll add one of those. Yeah, yeah. And also there's heavy sexualizing of pretty much all the women in it, except for the, the one woman that's paired up with uh, the pilot in Deep Star 6, the two, the romantic lead. Uh, because she's not really sexualized. She's treated sort of off to the side. She's like kind of wife-ized because she's paired off with this guy that she's sort of like safe from that sexualizing because it's she like belongs to a fictional character. The triumph at the end of Deep Star 6 isn't punching a woman. It's that those two are reunited. Do we care about them? Because in Deep Star 6, the two most boring characters are the two leads. Yep. Even though they're introduced to having sex, and usually that's very interesting, but there's like nothing, there's nothing for me to jump onto. Like I don't even remember them having sex. That's how bored I must have been by their sex scene. Deep Star Six does have almost as much character development of the romantic leads as you would get in a porno. It begins with them having sex. And it begins with them having light pillow talk afterwards. And then they agree that they're going to stick together. And then for the rest of the movie, it's just action. Like, there's not really any further deepening of their relationship. The fact that they're both boring characters individually, I think they thought that in Deep Star 6, that just having the characters be in a relationship was enough to define them. And it's not. And then the movie Deep Star 6 and Leviathan both do some cheats to define characters. Leviathans are sometimes, I think, less cheap. Deep Star 6 has, you know, the Joker character, Richardson, who I looked him up. Are you talking about Lloyd Braun? Is it Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he also plays the lawyer on Silicon Valley now, but him, him in that like 90s mode is Lloyd Braun ruined him for all other movies. He just looks like a a stand-up comic. Yeah. And I just kept Googling, and I couldn't find any reference to him being a stand-up comic, but his face, he has 80s stand-up face, like hardcore. Hardcore. And 80s stand-up inflection. Yes, he keeps doing the same tics that uh, Joe Piscopo has in Dead Heat, where he's just like messing with stuff. Like he's always looking for a joke. He's like messing with his hat and he's messing with the dials in the car and shit. Like he's doing all those same sort of tics that stand up comics when they're, they're, you know, brought up and put into a, a movie as like the comedic uh, relief. Like he has all those tics. Like Richardson is a cheat, I think as a character because he's just sort of this guy that comes in and he says goofy things all the time and everyone finds him kind of charming. And then also Deep Star 6 has another cheat which is there's a character introduced working out just like in Leviathan. But the way that she's introduced working out in Deep Star 6 is 
doing crunches and shit where they're showing off her stomach and her boobs and her body kind of like crunching. Whereas in Leviathan, she's just running around the ship, really. In Deep yeah. Star 6, it's heavily sexualized. Like, it's like 10 seconds of a workout video or something. I mean, Deep Star 6 was, I feel like it was so boring, the sexualization couldn't even come through. Like, it was trying, but I'm just like, I am fighting to stay awake, and we're only three minutes into this. Yeah, Deep Star 6 is very boring until the last 30 minutes, basically. Yeah, the last 30 minutes, like, when when the monster explodes out and starts killing people, I was in for, for a short period of time. Like, it, it, you know, it was exactly what I wanted. People's arms getting ripped off. There was chaos, but it's like it's a short film with with the first 65 minutes that don't matter because their relationships don't matter. They're just talking about like workaday problems when when none of that kind of workaday life of like sea explorers is eventually wrapped into your third act monster. Then it's just it's disparate parts. That's just a kind of a waste of everyone's time. So, yeah, I liked the 80s monster special effects. I liked some of the practical gore effects. I liked the, you know, uh, the the person who kills himself for no reason. Then, like, he, I, there's, a, there's a part where a person's trapped and is, like, dying and, and he's stuck in a door, as happens in these movies. And, uh, and they're trying to like pull him out. And he's like, no, no, you can't save me. And then he like hits a thing to fill the thing with water, which you think he's doing it to just kill himself to, to, to have the other people escape because now you're not trying to save me because I've drowned myself. Uh, but instead, uh, you've actually filled up the whole place so that you're close to killing your two friends that I think you're trying to save. Uh, so, like, that that kind of, like, dumb 80s stuff. I mean, it's all really good. But it just comes on the heels of, I mean, 65 minutes, Peter. Yeah, it's a lot to ask for an audience. There's nothing really interesting in any of them. And our lead characters are skim milk and Deep Star Forgettable, Six. Forgettable, as we all know. As we all know. Deep Star Six has this problem with the first 65 minutes where it just keeps introducing things and you think it's going to come back around. And then almost none of it matters. No. Miguel Ferrer just is chaos. finally motivated to go crazy by something that happens. The biggest thing to motivate him to go crazy is something that happens in the third act the submarines yeah. that are flying around oh. the cameras in deep star six those don't matter no. leviathan sets up a bunch of shit that doesn't matter but it doesn't feel as egregious in leviathan because well, we Levi- yeah let's do that so here's let's actually talk about because i actually really liked leviathan um it's fun it has problems like it's got it's not a five star movie it's got problems but no it's it's a six star movie you're right three for each of peter weller's eyes (laughs) thank you so much i really like leviathan i really do you're you're right there's there's things that it definitely could have been made better and there's there's serious problems with the way it treats women uh, very unfortunately but you know what it does have it's got ernie hudson it's got stan winston special effects which are it really does. good really good like they're ripping off the thing hardcore but they're doing a good fucking job of ripping off the thing i have some thoughts on that because stan winston you should share them work. on our podcast oh sh- I, shit i should save that for the podcast you're right you're right yeah i uh, know stan winston studio when rob Bottin kind of went nuts uh stan winston studio did step in on uh the thing so it's not crazy to think that like a they were pulling from the thing at all or b they were referencing themselves the fused people which is a great special effect uh and a great moment too like where she goes and kills herself and then they kind of put the bodies on top of each other and then they start fusing into one life form like all that shit's gold 
It's yes. really, really good. It's it's all ripoff. That gets into my my problem with the director of Leviathan. George uh, P. Cosmotos? Yeah, George P. Uh, Cosmotos. Uh, Garneri? He, George P. Garneri. Garmeritos? Uh, <laughs> he actually, for somebody who has a name, he actually didn't direct that many movies. It's just that a lot of his movies, about half of his movies, are pretty big movies. Uh, he directed Rambo First Blood Part 2. First Blood, the first movie of Rambo, he did not direct. That movie's kind of beautiful in a way. He did not direct that one. He directed it when the, the series decided to go crazy and turn into a parody of itself, which uh-huh. is part two, which I didn't really like the Rambo sequels, except for the most recent one. And then he did Cobra, which is another Sylvester Stallone vehicle, also kind of an, a parody of 80s movies. Doesn't quite deliver, but it's fun. He did this, Leviathan, and then he did Tombstone, which is, I think, far and away his best movie. I think he's kind of a hacky director. I think I mean, Tombstone, he really hasn't done that many good movies. Yeah, I think uh, Tombstone is a very good movie, but he's kind of a hacky director. And I think that one of my problems with Leviathan is a sense of uh, tone. It doesn't keep consistent throughout. No. Daniel Stern is part of the problem. So they've got a script handicapped going on there. The way that he shoots the monsters doesn't click for me always. The monsters look great as effects, yeah. but like I don't think he's doing the monsters any favor. No, I agree. It's not great lighting. It's very, very traditionally lit. Like, it doesn't look like he knows he's shooting a horror movie. It looks like he thinks he's shooting a fucking action movie that's in a, a space tube. Like, I really like that middle. I like. I I think the the second act is is almost perfect. Like, it's effective at what it's setting up. It's effective at raising the creepiness. It's all ripoff. I'm not trying to say anything that we're seeing is original, but. You know, we've talked about this before, where I think this movie plays better now than it probably did in 1989, because in ni- now we get to know, hey, there's not that many Peter Weller movies. Hey, there's really not that many sea monster or even like set in sea movies. Hey, there's not that many Stan Winston practical effects uh, monster movies. I mean, there's there's more than the other things I mentioned, but they're still like limited. And so everything about there's not that many Ernie Hudson movies, you know, yes. there's there's all these things that are now, uh, you know, it's the theory of economics in movies where now it's now that, that it's scarce, you can almost enjoy it even more. And so, yeah, nothing, nothing is that well lit, but it's like, I still kind of like that monster and I like they were fused together. That's why um, the movie, I think it's a four out of five for me because yeah. it's classic Stan Winston stuff in a pre-CGI era where you know it's a dude in a suit mixed with wires and uh, you know rubber and plastic and that this thing is being articulated by somebody who really gives a shit and like there's a I do have respect for dig- for CGI artists but like I this sort of this sort of the sort of tactility that comes with uh, a movie like this gets it so many points and you're so right Aaron it, it's about the rarity of it the novelty of it gives it extra points I bet you this movie came out in 1989 and I were a 
15 year old kid i would have been like why would i watch this when the thing is around like well because i know how many of those quality special effects movies they made and like there's not that many big monster special effects movies made on this budget on this scale and like so i appreciate it where i can get it there's another component too to that in that there's not that many of these movies that probably either of us haven't seen yeah you know there's there's not very there it's, it's it's very there. It's an it's an A picture with the budget to kind of support its vision. I've seen them like sci-fi horror. You know, we're there's there's still obviously a ton of movies that are both in the science fiction genre and the horror genre I haven't seen, but not that many huge like eighties, seventies, nineties like A pictures. Like horror and sci-fi are my two favorite genres, and that's really one of the reasons why Leviathan stood out. Uh, for me, something I wanted to do on the show was because it felt like, even though it wasn't, I knew the reviews weren't great, it still is like this big budget picture that would that got a good push that is like remembered to this day, starring actors I love that I've never seen, and that in itself is is almost worth it from the rarity perspective. It's the sort of thing that's not coming back, sadly. No. George Miller, when he made Fury Road, used CGI very smartly, and he used a lot of cool practical effects. And I remember being, like, so refreshed by some of, like, the weird, like, fat guy suits and stuff. Like, the weird touches that he got to do in in Fury Road. Thinking it's kind of sad how much I appreciated the fact that the fat guy wasn't just some CGI creation. That he was a dude that they put a shit ton of makeup on they made him yeah. sit in a chair probably with ice packs because it was 100 degrees out they shot the fucking movie with these practical effects as hard as that is and you almost never see that kind of shit anymore it, on this scale the monster is wholesale mm-hmm. we watched species two yeah and species two which is only a few years later like they were full on in the like a lot of this monster has to be cgi well and deep rising too which is the i have seen that with treat williams and it's like all CGI tentacles and they look terrible. Yeah. And, and and obviously I know it's hard to make tentacles like articulate well. Like part of the reason the monster in possession looks good is because it's laying prostrate for most of the film. Yeah. Uh, it's laying down for most of the film. Like is like I know that that's part of the story. And like you, in order to have these sea monster movies, the hard part is doing good scale models, having good scale battles that don't look shitty rubbery rubbery and shitty they don't shoot it in a tank that you can fake it well and you can fake that sort of sluggish movement and it brings up a whole other issue that we talked about last week on mission to mars red planet which is shooting action scenes in space and underwater have similar problems and that's that that, that low gravity sort of like uh, inability to move quickly and like your muscles don't carry you as far that sort of thing could be very scary. Directors struggle with it. And I think that that's part of that's got to be part of the reason why they don't do those movies, right? Uh, yeah, I agree. And it's it's sort of funny though that you're using uh, these two movies to talk about that because they don't not, they're not they're not underwater. Yeah. <laughs> but like they could have had a They big could scene I mean they could have like went a- outside. They could have uh, walked in spacesuits. In the what water. What I could have, Because I watched Deep Star 6 first, and I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't what I was expecting. But this one, this is going to be a fucking sea monster. <laughs> this is For big sure. budget, baby. <laughs> They're pulling out all the stops. We're going to see a monster outside 
in the sea. Instead, we just saw Daniel Stern in a robot suit in the sea, which is technically a monster in the sea. Yeah, absolute monster. Um, it, well, and and also we and we see a disease spreading movie. And I like the dis- disease spreading part of the movie. That's also where it gets very thingy. Um, the blood yeah, I love packets, that part. The blood packets in particular, or the scene where the doc is checking everybody out is very, very thingy. And the fact that all, um, I guess the thing, they have real guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of their machinery in um, Alien and the thing, more so Alien, is not military weaponry. It's just practical weaponry. And it reminds me of the game Dead Space. That's where Dead Space pulled a lot of its shit mm-hmm. from. Is that like, you're like, this looks like a gun, but it's actually, you know, putting nails into something. It's for cutting through something. Dead Space really ran with it. And in, in the thing in Alien, they have these tools that are sort of like supposed to be for like thawing out shit. And that's why they have a flamethrower. And like, they don't have like a big chain gun in any of these movies because like that wouldn't make sense why would you give somebody on a spaceship something that's intended for you know mowing down hundreds of soldiers yeah and that could like pierce the airlock yeah 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 that's the other advantage of the the fire the flamethrowers is that like it's not gonna it's not like a projectile that's gonna punch through the the hull i want to talk about a couple moments that i really liked we didn't get to obviously as as we've been doing all this this month i mean it's not a deep dive into these movies we barely talked about deep star six that wasn't either yay mel uh, miguel ferrera or fuck you movie uh it's not good but uh, so I actually have, I have two moments that I really, really love that we didn't get a chance to talk about from Leviathan. Uh, just lines. <laughs> One is so not only did the thing did this movie steal uh, the a lot of special effects and ideas from the things uh, from the thing. It also stole the uh, Wilford Brimley like talking to his computer by typing to it also from the fly yes it is but it has my favorite version of it because at one point all he types is i need answers (laughs) which any computer would just be like please repeat yeah no not this one this one starts giving him because he asked something and the computer's like i don't recognize this substance uh, he's like, I need answers! Exclamation point. As if he's uh, trying to convince the computer to yeah, give he's like, answers. Yeah, he's like a frustrated detective. Like, God damn it, I need <laughs> answers. But the computer complies. Uh, so that's great. And then I also love when uh, they're talking about how the the alien or monster might be sucking blood. And Ernie Hudson, great line delivery, says... We got a goddamn Dracula here with us, <laughs> <laughs> which is so good. It's so it good. Makes, it's a perfect Ernie Hudson line because I think if anybody else had said it, I would have been like, Ugh. but Ernie Hudson getting to say a Dracula as a, a common tra- noun, <laughs> a Dracula. We and it's we got a goddamn Dracula here with us. Because it's such a perfect Ghostbusters delivery. Like, because that's what Ernie Hudson was so good at in Ghostbusters was everyone else knew the shit and believed in the shit. And he's like, are you telling me we got a... We got this going on. He was so good at that. And he gets a little, little moment to do that here where it's, Doc, you telling me we got a goddamn Dracula here with us? He's like, I'm going to translate this to the audience because you motherfuckers are complicating it. Yes, exactly. He's, he's, he's like a little confused but like he gets it he's like so this is the plot like he's so good at saying so this is the plot yeah so this is the plot this is what everyone needs to know you mean to tell me like he's so good at that 
Uh, what else do you have? Actually, speaking of the first thing you said, you said there's a there's a a thing moment that's lifted wholesale. And when well, uh, that whole plot character and way that he interacts to discover it. Y- yes. Yeah. And Peter Weller says when he's literally blowing up the monster, just like in the thing, he says, instead of uh, in Kurt, Kurt Russell in the thing says, yeah, fuck you too. And he throws the dynamite in the thing. Peter Weller says, say hi, motherfucker, which <laughs> doesn't work as well. No. No, that's about as good as the uh, fuck you, Mars, or whatever Val Yeah, and, he, and there's this close shot of him flicking off a planet. It's yeah. like, fucking owned. You owned Mars. Oh, so so hard. You just got, Mars just got served. There's a moment in uh, Deep Space, Sti- Deep Star 6. <laughs> in Deep Star 6, there's one good moment of horror, and by good moment of horror, I mean... They set up a a piece of technology that you want to see in action. So they have these yep. CO2 caplets that, like, uh, as soon as the, the tip end of the spear is depressed, uh, it blows up whatever you're, you're punching. Uh, this is a really cool weapon. I don't know if it's real. I'm assuming it's real because I don't think the movie's that clever. <laughs> uh, and she, in order to demonstrate the weapon, she stabs at the chair that M- Miguel Ferrer is sitting in and it, it inflates and immediately knocks him off the chair. Miguel Ferrer recognizes how badass this gun is. And then Miguel Ferrer immediately fucks up using it when he has to use it. And that's like a great little like mini arc for Miguel Ferrer. Like the yeah. coolest thing in the movie is is his little arc where he like sees this thing and he's like, oh, it's cool. It's, yeah, it definitely works. It definitely works. And then he gets to use it and he uh, kills one of his the, the team members on accident. Yeah. And he goes crazy. Doesn't care for it. He does not care for, for the guilt of post-traumatic stress disorder no uh not a fan he then takes this decompression chamber up to the surface and in a nod towards reality his fucking body just breaks trying to zoom up towards the surface it's a great run of great moments i think it is yeah if you can edit out all of miguel ferreira's moments i think you have a really good movie yeah yeah yeah, eight minutes long but it's solid Oh, it's, it's solid as a rock, baby. Leviathan, like, scratched a lot of itches for me. I like seeing, you know, Stan Winston practical effects. I, I don't really care anymore. We're way past the point of me caring if something is ripping off the thing or aliens. It's It doesn't matter now that now that this movie came out almost 30 years ago you know i could understand being in uh three years uh removed from seeing aliens in theaters and being like they just ripped this off wholesale it's not as much fun then but now who gives a shit they're just not making movies like this it's very competent at everything it's ripping off great cast and deep star six is like miguel ferreira worthwhile for 10 minutes everyone else is a cardboard cutout everyone else is so boring and sean s cunningham um may be rich for his entire life for creating friday the 13th good for him he's not a good director and i think what he attempted to do by making a jaws rip of where and maybe it was on purpose like let's make it so that when Jaws shows up for the final climactic fight. No one knows it's coming. Well, that doesn't work when you have to sit through 65 minutes of boring, directed, boring special effects, boring dialogue, 
boring characters. It's just, it's not worth your time, even if it has a couple of okay moments. To be honest, I think unless you are very into practical effects and you desperately miss this era, it's part of the reason that people took to The Void so much, the recent movie The Void so much, is I think The Void has a lot of problems, but uh, The Void has a lot of awesome practical effects. Um, and I think a lot of the reason people took to it is because they just like, there's a group of people that just like miss that. If you're that sort of person. <laughs> like, I love The Void. One of my favorite movies of the year. I really like it too, but. But you're, you're talking about me. There's the type of people that just love The Void. I, there's a the type of people that of just show. love practical effects. Yes. That's not why I love The Void, though. Yeah, and it has amazing practical effects. Anyways, it does. And if you're in that class and also you like the thing and like seeing riffs on the thing, there's a great X-Files episode called Ice that's a, really good. a good riff on the thing. I haven't seen that many of them, though. There's a movie called Blood Glacier that's, like, unwatchable. There's another movie that takes place with Lance Henriksen on a boat. It's terrible, too. Uh, uh, there's a movie called The Thing? Yeah. 2011? Called... Yeah. It's okay. okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's like a three and a half. Uh, um, there's also a season three through six of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, where they basically just constantly do the thing riffs. Is uh, that true? I've never seen any any more than a couple episodes of any Star Trek show. Oh, wow. Really? No, that was true. So is the it's not the Borg. It's some other force. That's no. Kind of- so it's it's like uh, the Dominion who are like these changelings so they can like um, – they can like blend into anyone and they are super powerful. And so it becomes this like for, for most deep, that one of the reasons that people really like deep space nine and consider it the best star Trek is it besides the fact that it takes a lot of uh, steps forward serialization is that it also gets really dark. And there's like these evil government forces in, in Starfleet, but then like the whole uh, stretch of this and their big enemies are uh, the dominion who again are changelings and the way that they test to see who or his who isn't a change link, and this is like mandatory blood draws because uh, change link uh, blood, like uh, it can take any form, but not outside of the person for that long. So they like cut themselves or like draw blood like constantly throughout like four seasons of television. Interesting, and yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that that would have made it a much more appealing pitch for me. But yeah. These thing, these thing riffs happen. You should really, sorry, you should really watch Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. It's so- I've never seen any Star Trek show. Is that the one I should watch? It has the problem of a lot of Star Trek shows where the first two seasons are a lot of blah, and that's a tough commitment for anyone. I feel like, like, look, just watch thirty hours of yeah. mediocre television, and then you're going to get to the really good stuff. But. I'm sure you can find, like, because there's so many one-off episodes you don't need to know about, I'm sure you can find a good guide for, like, the basics, and it gets really fucking good. But yeah, there's a lot of good thing riffs out there. I think that this one is one of the better ones, actually, especially yeah. because of the, the, the quality of the practical effects. Yeah. Uh, Deep Star 6, I have no recommendations for. It's got no. one great five-minute sequence that with Miguel Ferrer. That's kind of like, I'm, I'm glad that we agreed on this movie because it made it for an easy episode, but also like it would have probably been interesting to, for if we had disagreed on this, but like, I think that just speaks to how boring deep star six is. Yeah. And, and how, how much potential is in Leviathan? Leviathan yeah. is for a lot of horror people. I think you like movies with potential, even if they don't completely succeed. 
Yeah, it's a really good point. And we we had always intended to do Leviathan, and I, I feel like we kind of ended up doing that just because there's just not much to talk about with Deep Star 6. It's just not a good movie. It's not remembered. It's not available to rent digitally. You can't. There's no HD version. Like, it, it's been forgotten by time. And not unjustly so, I would say. Uh, so it's it's yeah, it's I I don't feel bad that we spent most of our time talking about Leviathan. Um, and I I want to be also very clear. Just the last thought on this: this is we we kind of presented this shortened month as this idea that you need to pick one or the other. My my recommendation for Leviathan is not based on in comparison to Deep Star Six. It is just a good movie that I enjoyed watching and would watch again. So I don't want it to be like one of those like last week when we're like, whatever, you know, whichever movie wins, we lose. This is an unqualified recommendation. If you like any of the things that we've been talking about, Leviathan is worth your time. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you. I think you summed it up well. I think that uh, I, I like Leviathan a little less than you. I think that some of the my holdouts for it are a little bit more of a holdout. But uh, yeah, that's that's where I stand as well. Excellent. So this is it. That that has been Double Trouble Month. Um, an experiment. <laughs> That I think was poorly timed, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> we actually have another list of a few other movies we might want to do at some point. But I think this coming off of our musical month was a mistake. And not a mistake for any of our guests that joined us. We had a lot of good episodes. But I think the problem was is that our, our musical month was kind of set up as... Here's something Peter doesn't like. Let's see how this works. And we found some examples that that met a formula that we kind of decided during that month was ill-defined. And that maybe we should have looked for some of the better ones that Peter hadn't seen instead of ones that we both hadn't seen. Uh, That's something to talk about for next year. And then we went right into, like, let's try a totally new way that we haven't talked about movies. You know, that's two months of kind of off off format in some ways episodes so we are so fucking excited for next month which we already kind of talked about at the front where we're talking about four john carpenter movies all great one of them at one point i called one of my top 25 favorite movies of all time it would still be at least in the top 100 uh and that is next week's episode with returning guest your best friend your two best friends (laughs) <laughs> two, I'm assuming co-best men at your eventual wedding. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, no. you are both going to marry my wife. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. That's how it uh, works. Yeah, that's that's how it works, Peter. And then I adopt your dog. Hey, if you're if you're listening, don't tell Peter how it works till after the wedding. It'll be a great, <laughs> great goofum. A goof him around. Uh, no, we're doing In the Mouth of Madness, though. I'm so fucking psyched. Oh, we're more get Sam all Neil. Of that mouth. Oh, it's Sam Neil. It's Lovecraft. It's like insanity horror. It's. Oh, my. Stephen King riffs. I, I am so goddamn excited for next week. The, the thing. John Carpenter is my favorite director for a few reasons. And we're doing a few movies next month that kind of help exemplify why. And we've already done my favorite movie, which is The Thing, which is uh, everything I love. It's Lovecraftian horror. It's body horror. It's also a paranoia Kurt thriller. Russell horror. 
Kurt Russell horror. Grimly horror. Kurt Russell is the most important part of the movie. I give every movie an extra star because of Kurt Russell. Um, It's Arctic horror. Like, Mouth of Madness is a very similar movie that feels made for me because, like, Stephen King is probably my favorite author. Sam Neill is one of my favorite actors in the world. Uh, It's Sam Neill going in full crazy mode, which is his best mode. Best mode. And he only does it, like, three or four times successfully. Yes, it's a psychological thriller that doesn't break its own rules too often, which is a thing I love. Good practical effects. Good practical effects, and it's shot on film in this glorious color. It's right before... Great, and I'll tell you what, I'll say it right now, great, we're not going to ruin it, great ending. One of my favorite endings of all time. Fantastic snappy ending, and it is uh, around when John Carpenter lost his visual touch. So this is like his last great-looking movie. I think Ghost of Mars and EFLA and um, actually uh, Cigarette Burns, his his Masters of Horror uh, episode, are all actually like, okay, looking. But this is his last great-looking movie. Like, do you just want to start talking about In the Mouth of Madness now? Because right now. I, I, like, fuck it. Fuck you, yeah, Ryan. Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> um, maybe you should have been here when we were talking about this in case we started talking about yes. In the Mouth of Madness. You don't know what we're going to do. You don't know me. Yeah. Well, you know Peter. You yeah, don't you know, know me that well. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh, I, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have uh, my best buddy Ryan on the show. He's going. Uh, he was on the Southland Tales episode. Um, right that was a 10 minute intro on In the Mouth of Madness. So I think next week's gonna go a little long. Uh, yes, <laughs> because so and then the following week we are doing Prince of Darkness, which is. Uh, I think we'll we'll have wrapped up his uh, Apocalypse trilogy, right? It's the thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. This is another point I like to make, is that these two movies, Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness, are two movies that were not well-received or have been sort of forgotten by time. Yeah. But, like, the, the, the horror fandom is sort of gripped on and is trying to bring back. Like, Prince of Darkness got a beautiful, I think it was Scream Factory? Yeah, I just bought it, actually. I'm going to be watching it for this uh, app. Uh, I also just bought it, and I will be watching it for this app with the reversible slip cover because Scream Factory rules so much that their new covers are yeah. better than the old covers. Yep. The my they I flipped my They Live one around because I love their new cover so much more than the old one. Oh, I love that They Live one with the buy sticker on it. Yes, so, so good. good. So anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we're not doing They Live. We'll do that sometime with, like, master John Carpenter works. We have plans for, in our schedule, we have plans for every last one of his big movies. I have a plan for Halloween, Escape from New York, Big Trouble. Yeah, big movies. Not The Ward. Not Members of Invisible Man. I hope we never cover either of those. Because- I don't believe that John Carpenter directed this. Next. And then after that, we are doing Escape from L.A. I have contended I enjoy more than Escape from New York. Um, Which is an insane proposition. So on Prince of Darkness, we're, we're going to have Eric Galliani, friend of the show and first time guest. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fun. And then for the rest of the month, it's going to be return guests. So and then we're doing Escape from L.A. with uh, Tom Peeler, uh, who was on our Rescuers Down Under episode. Uh, we're very excited to have him back. He has never seen either Escape movies and he's going to watch both for the show. I'm going to try to rewatch both. Uh, also, because I speaking of Scream Factory, I bought the Escape from New York Scream Factory release and haven't watched it yet. I want to be very clear, though. 
the part of the reason that Tom's watching it is because he's never seen it. I'm watching it because my contention is that Escape from L.A. is better than Escape from New York, or at the very least, maybe not better, but I enjoy it more, which is much more subjective. And you can't fucking argue with Peter. You can't do it. The kind of rule is going to be we're going to try our best not to talk about Escape from New York because, as Peter mentioned, we are definitely going to do it on this show. So, if anything, it'll be moments where I'm watching it to make sure that my I'm calibrating what I've said in the past to make sure it still holds up. Tom is watching it so he can actually understand the concept of the two. But we are not going to be talking about Escape from New York. Yeah, it, it, we're going to be focusing on EFLA as its own thing. However, I think all three of us will be rewatching both Escape from New York and EFLA. Yeah, Peter, I guess, will be too. We had spoke about it. It's fine that he's doing it too. It's okay to watch movies you like, people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to end the month with a movie that I pushed for. Yeah. And is actually weirdly going to uh, make this a very Mars-filled summer. Because we're going to be doing Ghosts of Mars. Except uh, not including the best Mars movie. It's Total Recall. Oh, Total Recall is the best Mars movie. We yeah. haven't done Total Recall yet. Or RoboCop. Or Starship or, Troopers. Or any fucking... Verhoeven movies. We I want to do Flesh and Blood someday too. Because that's a fascinating pretty good. movie. Anyways. Yep. And we're, we've not done Ghosts of Mars yet. Ghosts of Mars is going to be our third Mars movie this summer. And our last movie in the Carping About Carpenter month. And this is going to be an episode featuring Marcus Jones of Jean-Paul Van Damme and Crushed Celluloid. And, and our nightmares. Our night, our night scares. Even. Our night scares. Yeah. So, as you can see, I don't know, Peter, what you're going to edit that down to. But we just spent 20 minutes talking about that we're going to be talking about John Carpenter. So, if you were listening and felt like a certain uh, zest or enthusiasm for some of the movies that we talk about uh, has been lost with a little bit of our experiments, we kind of feel that a little bit, too. And uh, I hope you can see. Holy shit, we're excited about next month. So, yes. and then, and then, obviously, next month, uh, the following month, August, we're not going to get into the whole thing, but we're doing uh, Redneck Horror again, Kill Billy's Volume Two, and we actually, as of right now, we have till December month-wise booked out. So we're really excited about where the rest of this year is going to go. Uh, a little more back to basics with a, with a few twists and a few stuff that you guys have chosen or will choose as well. So uh, we're, we're very excited. So if you felt like this podcast between Animals Attack, which were kind of a lot of one-offs with the bigger musicals and Double Trouble, if you felt like this podcast took kind of a weird turn it's all bread and butter from here baby it's all that cheese no it's bread and butter <laughs> you can't have cheese too what are you gonna make a fucking sandwich grilled cheese that's what you need bread butter and cheese oh yeah that sounds delicious so next week we'll have grilled cheese <laughs> Stands on golden sand and watches the ships that go sail. Hey, folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash We Love to Watch. 
and uh, yeah, reach out to us. Give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.